One thing that all of us have in common, and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, is all of us have had at least, at least one great meal in our lifetime. Now, I want you to think about it for a second. Just, just kind of think about it. And you don't have to answer out loud, but what is the best meal that you've ever had? Like home-cooked meal, restaurant, doesn't matter. Just think about it for a second. What's the best meal that you've ever had? Now, I'm, I'm 48, and I've eaten a lot of meals. I love food. I love food. And so I, I had to really think, and I narrowed it down to two, almost like categories. The first was anything my grandmother made. Um, my mom's mom, she, uh, she could go into the kitchen and magic happened. I don't, I don't know what she did. I don't know how she did it, but you would just hear pots and pans clanging and she would throw a little of this. She never followed a recipe. Anybody got a grandparent like that that just never followed a recipe? Yeah. And the reason she didn't follow recipes is because she couldn't read. She dropped out of school like second or third grade. And so she, but she could just, oh my God, her biscuits and gravy, biscuits and gravy. Do y'all still eat biscuits and gravy? You can't eat that. It's not healthy for you. Y'all, my grandma ate it until she was like 92. So I think she's okay. And, and, and her cornbread, she made cornbread in a cast iron skillet. And there was something about cornbread in a cast iron skillet. It's amazing. By the way, by the way, let me just stop because I was talking to somebody about a cornbread recipe the other day. And they were talking about, oh, I got to have sugar in my cornbread. If you put sugar in your cornbread, that's cake. That's cake, okay? There's a difference. This is the South. That's cake. It's not cornbread. Thank you. I'll continue. So, so that was like the first thing. The second is I've got a couple friends that every year for my birthday, they make me a, a particular meal. I want some ribs, and they make really, really good. They smoke ribs. Like you pull the bone, like the meat just falls off. It's just unbelievable. And then collard greens with fat back because you got to have fat back in your collard greens. And then macaroni and cheese. And when I say macaroni and cheese, I'm talking real macaroni and cheese, like real cheese, real butter. Just stop, stop trying to make macaroni and cheese healthy, okay? It's mac and cheese. It's not healthy. It is a vegetable in the South, but it's not healthy. It's not supposed to be healthy. And I've had people tell me, you're going to die eating like that. Number one, I will die happy because I ate real macaroni and cheese. And number two, I get to see Jesus before you. So I win on every front. And then for dessert, they make me coconut pie and banana pudding with no bananas, right? That, that's and, and people have told me, it can't be banana pudding if it don't have bananas. I'm like, well, it's my party. I, I, can, it's, I can cry if I want to, right? I can have banana pudding with no bananas. But, but here, here's the thing. If we went around the room and we talked about your favorite meal in particular, here's the thing I know about your favorite meal or your best dining experience. Your best meal didn't come out of a bag. It didn't, it, you weren't running through the drive-thru and you kind of picked something up and you're like, oh, this is the best experience ever. Your best meal, your best dining experience happened at a table. Doesn't matter if it's at a restaurant or somebody's house. You sat down at a table. And if you think about the experience itself, it wasn't just the food. It was like the company. Because if, you, if it's a really, really, really good meal, you've got some really, really, really good people around the table. Don't you lose track of time at how much time you're spending around the table? I mean, you got great food, you got great company, and that's what the, the, the table is all about. Well, I was, I've been thinking about this series and working on this series for a while, and I came across this, this verse. Now, if you're a Christian or if you're from a church background, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And even if you're not a Christian, 
you've more than likely heard this passage of scripture at a wedding or a funeral or whatever. I mean, we, we quote this all the time. Christians quote this uh, passage of scripture all the time. It's in the 23rd Psalm. And David, who writes Psalm 23, said something pretty fascinating that for years it kind of eluded my attention, but recently I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. He said this. He said, you prepare a table before me. Now, he's, David in this psalm is talking to God, and he said, you prepare a table before me. And I stopped and I started thinking, what would a table prepared by God look like? I mean, it would, it would have to be amazing, wouldn't it? Because God is a creative God, and, and, and he speaks, and just beauty just happens. Like, he spoke, and the oceans were formed. And I don't know if you've ever seen water like this, but I've seen water like this, and it just takes my breath away that God just spoke, and that came into existence. He spoke the mountains into existence. And I can, I can remember several times I've stood at the base of mountains and looked up and just realized how small I am and how awesome and glorious and great God is. He... He creates the sunsets so we can know what's on his heart and what's on his mind. Huh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I'll investigate that. Um, but, but, but David said, you prepare a table before me. Now, I'm trying to think, I was trying to think about, like, if we're sitting at a table prepared by God, it would have, like, the whitest linens, and, like, nothing would stain the tablecloth if you drip something on, you know, spill something on it, and the place would be huge because God is into big portions. I just believe that. That's just my personal belief, but, but you know what else would be at the table prepared by God? Do, do you think that there would be, like, unconditional love at that table? Yes or no? Yes. Do you think there would be, like, amazing grace? And let me tell you something about grace. I didn't say this in the other services, but this is the one where I come unwound and my Adderall wears off. A lot of Christians think grace is amazing because if you have a past, I'm talking about a past like 10, 15, 20 years ago. But if God's grace covers 10 years ago and it doesn't cover 10 minutes ago, then it's not grace. Grace is for what you did 10 years ago, and grace is for what we did 10 hours ago. Grace is grace, and the reason it's amazing is because it covers all our sins. Do you think there's amazing grace at the table, yes or no? Do you think there's acceptance at the table, yes or no? Do you think that at the table there's just peace in our life? Because we're in the presence of God, yes or no? Yeah, that's what I think. A table prepared by God, it would have to be that way. Well, then here's the question. If, if God has prepared a table in front of us and it's full of acceptance and unconditional love and grace and mercy and joy and peace and fulfillment, this is my question. Why do we not experience that all the time? Or am I the only one? Like, I don't, I don't always feel loved by God. I don't always feel peace in my life. I don't always feel acceptance. I don't always, I don't always, I, I'm the kind of person that thinks that God's grace covers other people. It just doesn't cover me. Anybody wrestle with that one, right? Like, why, if God has prepared this table in front of us and it's got all these incredible things, 
on it, then why aren't we experiencing this abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10? And I've, I, when I read that verse, I was like, huh, I wonder. But then David answers the question for us with the rest of that verse. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, we've got the table, and we've also got the trouble. We got the table prepared by God, and then we got the presence of the enemies. And it, it's just that thing where we lose focus. Have you ever lost focus and done something dumb? Say yes. Like texting and driving. Now, I know you've never done that, but you know people, and you're praying for them, right? Like you just text, and you're ah, LOL, OMG, and you look up, and you're in the middle of a field. Or you're in somebody's living room, which is not a problem, except you're still in your car. So that that, that and that's a problem for them, right? I I try. I used to travel a lot, and when I was traveling, like every weekend, I I would I would just get so frustrated. So I was always trying to think of ways to get through the TSA line faster. And you know, but but it's a government agency, so let's be honest, they're not in a hurry about anything. So we, I was, you know, I'd try to get you know condensed stuff down into one bag and just to carry on or whatever. I never will forget, I was trying to go through the TSA line and I just reached in my pocket and pulled out my license, handed the TSA agent with my ticket, and TSA agent, I never forget I was in Charlotte, because the TSA agent looked at me. Did my license? Looked at me. My eyes and said, sir, I'm going to need you to step over here. I'm like, I mean, I lied about my weight, but I didn't go that far. Like, I'm just sitting there watching. And I was like, can you, can you tell me what the problem is, sir? He said, you handed me your concealed weapons permit. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I do have one. Second of all, uh, are you carrying now? No, not in church, silly. Um, but, but I... I lost focus. I handed this guy my concealed weapons permit. It was like a stupid mistake. But that's what happens when we, we can lose focus. Because, because David said, you prepare a table before me. But that doesn't mean that we don't have enemies around us. And what we tend to do, and when I say we, I'm including me in this because I'm as guilty as anybody in the room is slowly but surely will take our focus off of the table and put it onto the trouble. And this is where we doubt God's love. And this is where we doubt God's mercy. And this is where we doubt God's grace. We get mad at God for this right here question is, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty because I'm in this boat too, whose fault is this? We can't blame this on God. We don't get to choose what we go through. We do get to choose how we go through it, whether we're going to be focused on the table or we're going to be focused on the trouble. Now, when David says in the presence of my enemies, there's lots of different categories you can put enemies in. I, I wanted to break it down into three categories. First of all, people. Did you know you got people that don't like you? Yeah, you do. And especially with social media now, you got lots of people that don't like you, right? They're there for more. And people have, people have said, social media has changed us. Social media did not change us. It exposed us. 
It's just Bitter Betty now has a platform, right? So, but she don't call herself Bitter Betty. She calls herself Bible Lady 182, right? And that's, oh my God, I could just go for days on that one. But you've got people that don't like you. And what happens is a lot of time is we will take our focus off of the presence of God and start listening to what people say about us. And the quickest way to forget what God says about us is to focus on what people say about us. They, they are identity thieves. They're stealing our identity. They're telling us who we were and what we did. But at the end of the day, people don't get to define who you are. God gets to define who you are. So we need to take our focus off of people. Listen, I wrestle with this as, as much as anybody. Because I used to think it was my job to make everybody like me. Do you know what? If they crucified Jesus, they're, they're not going to like you. you could, I don't care if you left here and went and walked on water. Somebody would go, it's, he just can't swim. <laughs> I ran into somebody um, not too long ago. I, I talked about this on uh, Facebook. Uh, but I ran into somebody too long, not too long ago. I hadn't seen three and a half years. And for those of you who don't know, like three and a half years ago, my life imploded. But three and a half, so I haven't seen this person in three and a half years. And when I ran into them, they were like, oh my gosh, I've been hoping I would run into you. I was like, well, good. They said, I, I have something I need to say to you. I was like, okay, okay, great. And this person said, you're a pathetic human being. Now, I always tell y'all when I get it wrong, but every once in a while I'll get it right. I got this one right. Because I just said, okay. And I just listened, and I just listened, and I just listened. And I got my truck, and I drove away. I thought about it for five minutes, and I didn't think about it anymore. You know why? That person doesn't get to define who I am or what I've done. And you know what? The same thing is true for you. They don't get to define you because they didn't walk through the hell you went through. They don't know the giants you faced. They don't know the fire you went through. They don't know the storms you survived. They would be dead if they had gone through what you went through, but you're still standing at the end of the day. People don't get to define you. Hey, I'm not saying don't listen to people. I listen to people. But you know who I listen to? I listen to the people who are sitting with me rather than the people who want to scream at me. That's what we need to do because they take our focus off, off of Jesus. These people don't. The second thing that takes our eyes off the table is the past. Now, I asked this question not too long ago. I asked the ladies. I said, ladies, how many of y'all had a bad haircut and all the women raised their hand? But you know, there's some men. We've had some bad haircuts too. No, you don't have to, don't point at somebody. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you got, in the eighth grade, in the eighth grade, many, many moons ago when I was in eighth grade and dinosaurs roamed the earth, I, there was a very, very semi-popular haircut, especially here in the Southeast, called the mullet. Billy Ray Cyrus, right? The achy, breaky, bad, mistakey. So, so I, I, <laughs> I had a mullet, but for a short season, for a short season, there was a time where all of the redneck guys that had mullets put a tight curly perm in our mullet. You can't make this up. So we called it the perm mullet. And so I had a perm in my mullet in the eighth grade. Now, how many of y'all want to see a picture? Ain't no freaking way. 
And here's why. Here's why. Because all, all of the pictures of my permolet were destroyed in a house fire in 1984. See, God can use anything for the good, right? <laughs> but, but I look back at that, and it was, a, it was a mistake, and I'm so glad that pictures don't exist, but I also wish that a bad haircut was the only thing in the past I regretted. See, when we sit at God's table, we're focused on our potential. And we're focused on our future. And we're focused on how good God is. And if God is good, and God wants great things for us, then we're focused on the fact that no matter what we're going through, that God's going to use it for the good and for his glory. And that's what, I mean, we, we just have hope. I've had people tell me before, Perry, you're just too much of an optimist. And I tell them, I'm not an optimist. I just take God at his word. I believe that he has a plan for us, a plan not to, to harm us, but to prosper us, a plan to give us hope and a future. I believe that the best is yet to come. That's not just a saying I say. It's something I believe. It's, it's kept me going for these three, three and a half, four years. But then, that thing we did, you know, it didn't, it's not always like a 180. It's that th thing we, we did. It was that season that we lived. It's that thing that we regret. And we focus on the past. And the past has a couple cousins that have teamed up. Their names are guilt and shame. And guilt says this is what you did, and shame says this is who you are. And the reason we wrestle with guilt and shame is because we got our back turned to the table. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. You know the reason I know this? is because I've done this. I've turned my back on the table, on the presence of God, focused on the past, let guilt and shame dominate. This is where we feel despair. This is where we feel hopeless. This is where we want to give up. This is where we want to quit. And it's a matter of just being willing to turn our back, focus on the table. Because here's where the potential is. That's where the pain is. I've got to leave the pain behind to focus on the potential that's ahead of me. The third thing that could be considered enemies are problems. And we all have problems. Everybody, on this, everybody in this room has problems. Nobody walked in the door with no problems. Nobody prayed for God. I, my life is so perfect. Just give me some problems today. Like it, all of us have problems. Relational problems, emotional problems, financial problems. I mean, I, I, the, some of the prayer requests that we get in, some of the conversations that I have, I mean, some of the stuff that we are going through that you guys have shared with me are absolutely crippling. But at the end of the day, what happens a lot of times is we will take our f focus off of God. And I, the reason I know this so well is because I've done it so many times. Because God is, like, God is huge. Like, it, nothing is impossible when we have our focus on God. I mean, and we know nothing's impossible, but what starts happening is we start taking our attention. It, like I said, it's just a gradual thing. We don't do it automatically, and then we focus on our problems. 
And what happens when we're faced like this is we minimize the presence of God and we maximize our problems. And this is where anxiety will cripple us every time. But if we will take our focus from our problems to the presence of God, listen, the miracle isn't him changing our circumstances, it's him changing our perspective. You, you, I, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you if you just do this, all your problems go away. I'm just saying when we do this, God gets big and our problems get small. And we understand he really is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's the kind of God we serve. Now, David, David went on to say, he went on to talk about this a little bit more. He said, you anoint my head with oil, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. My cup overflows. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I just bring it up again. I'm the guy, listen, if you're going somewhere with me, there's one thing you never need to worry about. We're never going to run out of gas, ever. Because when I get slightly below a half tank, I start sweating. If I get to a quarter of a tank, I'm full-blown. I've got, listen, I've got to have a full tank of gas at all times. Other people, you get on E, and you're like, what does E mean anyway? The red light that's blinking at me is more of a suggestion. How many people are like that? You just ride around on E. Yeah. We had a staff member. I'm not going to tell you his name's Philip. Um, but, but we had a staff member who I'm not going to tell you his name, Philip, run out of gas recently. I just ran out of gas. And I'm thinking, how do you run out of gas? But let me think, let me, let me, let me ask you, like if, if you're sitting at a table prepared by God, do you think there's enough food? Yes or no? Yeah, I think there's plenty. Do you think God gets mad if you go back for seconds, yes or no? No, I think God's okay with seconds, third, and fourths, because there's no calories. We're in heaven. It's great, right? David said that at the table, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. What does it overflow with? Well, the Holy Spirit fills us with love, love for ourselves, love for others, fills us with joy, fills us with peace. I mean, I'm talking about the kind of peace that all hell can be breaking loose around us and we still have peace in the middle of the storm. That's what happens. It's just overflowing. But then when we take our focus off the table and we face this way, we start running on empty. You ever felt like spiritually you were running on empty? You just ran out? You know why we run out? It's because our focus is on the trouble, not on the table. Because if you're feeling empty today, I don't want you to feel bad. I'm talking to you as somebody who's ran on empty way more than I wish I had. But I know from my experience that when I'm on empty spiritually, I've got to turn my chair around because there's plenty of love at the table and there's plenty of joy at the table. There's plenty of peace at the table. And over time, 
God shifts me from my thinking, his thinking. You don't have to change. Listen, you don't have to change your heart. You have to change your perspective. And as you change your perspective and turn back around, God changes your heart. We just got to shift our focus from the trouble to the table so that our cups will overflow. Then he said this. He said, surely, I love that word, surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You remember, you remember in elementary school when you used to write love notes? I don't know if they do that now. I, I guess you send like a love text or whatever. That, that sounded super perverted. Oh, my gosh. We'll just edit that out. Anyway, um, you, you used to send like a love note. Remember that? And, and, and it was like in, in elementary school or middle school, and this is what the love note says. I like you. Do you like me? Like the great famous theologian George Strait said, check yes or no, right? But the girl was always indecisive. And so she would draw in a third box. And the third box always said, maybe. Now, by the way, I never got the third box. I always just got no, like straight up, like heck no, like profanity no, like circle no, arrows pointed to no. Like I, I know what it's like. I've been shot down, all right? But, but there, there's that maybe thing. So when we talk to people, I don't know about you, but I'll talk to people about the love of God. I don't have a problem telling people that God loves them. But when I talk to you about God loving you, how do you because there's, there's too many maybes. But David said, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. How could David say that? Because if we read about David, David was not a good man. I mean, he's known in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. But we see in the Psalms, because he wrote most of the Psalms, he's a, like, David could not get a job on most church staffs. He couldn't. He can get a job here. But, like, he couldn't get a job on most church staffs. Because in one Psalm, he writes, God, you are so close to me, and I love and enjoy your presence. And the next Psalm, he writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, David, which one is it today? Do we have happy David or sad David? He committed adultery and murder. And he's going to talk about, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. How could he have that perspective with the jacked up life he lived? It's very simple. He just focused his, put his focus on the table. And when your focus is on the table, it doesn't matter what kind of trouble you've experienced. Because they, when you're focused on the table, you're like, I know God's goodness is going to follow me. God's goodness is going to follow me into my marriage. And God's goodness is going to follow me when I go to Target. And God's goodness is going to follow me when I go to work. And God's goodness is going to follow me when I'm at home. And God's goodness is going to follow me this year and next year and through the next decade and the next decade. I know God's goodness is going to follow me, not because I'm good, but because God is good and he has invited me and given me a seat at the table. That's, that's the kind of God we have. And not only... It's God's goodness going to follow me. God's love is going to follow me. God doesn't look at me and say, maybe. God looks at me and God looks at you and says, surely, I love you. I love you right now. I love you when you're at your best. I love you when you're at your worst. I love you, period. And that's what David is writing about. God's love's going to follow me. God's love's going to follow me when I'm messing up. And God's, going to God's love is going to follow me when I'm doing well. God's love for you 
is unconditional, period. And the times that we tend to doubt God's love are the times we're focused on the trouble. This is where we feel like there's no way God could ever love me. This is where we say God's love really is amazing. It's a matter of perspective. Which way is your chair facing? Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days. There won't be a day in my life. God's goodness, his love isn't following me, but the only way I keep that perspective is I have my focus on the table and not the trouble. And then he says this. Then he says this, and I love how he ends it. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is one of the main reasons we started Second Chance. It's because I want this to be a church where if this has been your week, or this has been your month, or this has been your life. You're not judged for it. We just, even if it's just for an hour on a Sunday, can take our focus from the trouble to the table and experience the presence of God. That's why we talk about everyone is welcome here. That's why we talk about everyone's accepted, because nobody is exempt from the unconditional love and the amazing grace provided by God at the table. This is where we get our confidence back. This is where hope overflows from. Not from looking at the trouble, but focusing on the table. So I don't know what kind of week you had. I don't know what kind of month or season you've had. But here's what I know, that today, Today, we can take a major step forward in our walk with Christ just by taking our focus from the trouble to the table. Will you stand with me? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every single person in this room, everyone watching online. God, it's just been a tough week. It's just been a tough month. It's just been a tough season. God, that we would take heart right now in this moment and know that at the table there is joy and know at the table there is peace and know at the table, Jesus, the one that you've invited us to, that you are greater than anything, you are greater than anyone that we are facing, and God, that we can do all things. We can overcome any obstacle. We can conquer any giant. We can cross any path, God, with you, with, with you, holding on to you in the presence at the table. Father, I pray that over these next few moments, we would literally take heart and focus on you and know that in you that the best is yet to come.